0: Talk, for real sports fans. 1700, the champ. Hey, everybody, welcome in. We say hello to you, Jim and Trent, right here on 1700, the champ. Great show lined up for you today. Uh... I can't wait to get going here, Trent. This is going to be a lot of fun. Mitch Sherman from ESPN uh, will be our guest coming up in just
1: a little bit. How you doing, pal? You ready to rock? Oh, I'm always ready, Jimmy B. you ready to go in our new time slot. Hope uh, people are are finding the adjustments that we have to our schedule, enjoying our new lineup. Of course, CBS Sports Programming, when we're not on locally here. Five hours a day, though, of local programming. Starting at 11 a.m., myself and Ken Miller from 11 to 1. You and me from 1 to 2 in the drive with myself and Wolfgang from 4 until 6 o'clock. Jimmy B., and, well, it's an extra hour for me, and, uh, boy, I am learning. I, I do not have a whole lot of time in the day to get things done. That, that's what I found out here these first two days in.
0: Yeah, well, look, um, it's one of those things that when you're a young man like yourself, you gotta capitalize when you can, pal. That's why. That's why
1: we're doing all this. Well, uh, here, here's a dirty little secret. I'm not that young anymore. I'm, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not old and decrepit like you. But I'm not that was young just, anymore.
0: I was just going to say, yeah. Come on.
1: <laughs> but I'm persevering and having a great time doing it. Certainly looking forward to a big Tuesday. We got the Hawkeye huddle tonight, as we do each and every Tuesday out at G-MIGS in Valley Junction. Stop on by, have a cold one. It's steak night at G-MIGS, and that's where we'll be every Tuesday for the Hawkeye Huddle. Well, Jim, let's get into it from last night, and uh, what a night for Wisconsin, the state of. Their Badgers stink, but good news for them is the Brewers and the Packers are uh, treading in the right direction. This Green Bay team, top to bottom, not great, but Aaron Rodgers, he can certainly cover up a lot that ails a team.
0: You know, it's unbelievable, Trent. Just think about this, and I love Patrick Mahomes, uh, but it's one of those things where you saw the old man at 41 do his thing okay, and and, and got his team to victory in Tom Brady and New England. And then last night, the other old guy, although he's not as old as the first old guy I was talking about, playing pretty much on one leg, does his thing and the Packers are not very good. They they couldn't stop the San Francisco 49ers and CJ Bethard and George Kittle and company. And I, I have no idea how Aaron Rodgers continues to do what he does with hardly any help on the defensive side at all. And it was an amazing, amazing performance once again by are they 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 have to be right now there's no way that anybody else drew Brees might be knocking at the door but right now it's brady and rogers correct
1: yeah yeah i those i mean that's it Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i mean that's it's it was just um just amazing to watch him go to work never panicked although they did catch a break and it was a uh a penalty on Richard Sherman because he had grabbed the wide receiver. So the Packers were lucky because they would have had to have punt the ball away after that sack on Rodgers. But when they went back and showed it again, uh, it was definitely a penalty. And that kept the drive alive for Green Bay. But still, Trent, I just scratch my head and watch these guys operate the way that they do with surgical precision, and they just never miss a beat. Never miss a beat. It's it's like absolutely unbelievable.
1: You know, Jim, when you watch that game, of course, one of the first things that jump out is the play of C.J. Beathard. And I know there were a lot of 49er fans online, and I saw some on Twitter that weren't happy the way the last possession went, the interception that he threw. There isn't a whole lot on that team and that offense with what they lost with Jarek McKinnon before the season, the ACL tear, that wide receiver group, really outside of George Kittle, another former Hawkeye. There isn't a ton there offensively. That offensive line is a mess. C.J. Beathard, can he be a full-time starter in this league in your mind?
0: Well, I think that he showed that he has that possibility watching last night's game. The previous game when they got beat by Arizona, he looked terrible. He was like sacked like four times and threw a couple of picks, and it just you know it wasn't a good performance. And then in last night's game. Uh, against a green bay packers team that has a high octane offense i mean you were looking at that game going wait a minute i thought it was green bay that was going to put up uh 30 plus points not san francisco i mean he made that game compelling last night meaning cj Beather, mm-hmm. because without him the 49ers would have probably got just blown out and they're not very good They have had way too many injuries, lost Jimmy Garoppolo, their number one QB, lost McKinnon, their starting runner back. They've lost guys on the offensive line and on their defense. It's a mash unit. But yet C.J. Beathard played his guts out last night and performed in an extremely high rate of uh, efficiency and was very impressive.
1: George Kittle is one guy that he does have offensively. And George Kittle was a great tight end, certainly at the University of Iowa. His combination, though, of blocking ability, along with the threat that he has in the receiving game, he is uh, an absolute – he is so much fun to watch. I I can't remember enjoying a game where I went in with very low expectations. Though I told you yesterday, Jim, I did Mm -hmm, like the 49ers getting the points. I I still didn't think it was going to be an overly compelling game. I expected to see something more – backdoor cover kind of thing, something along those lines. And George Kittle watching that game, incredibly impressive. The physicalness that this guy plays with. And remember back, Jim, when he was coming out of high school, he was a scrawny 210-pound wide receiver that they were going to try to build in to a tight end. If his dad didn't have a connection to the University of Iowa and Kirk Ferentz, I doubt he even would have got an offer. And he would have gone, I think his best offer was like Utah State, or Air Force, something like that, is where he was heading out in the Mountain West. Instead, goes to the University of Iowa, becomes a good player there, becomes a fifth-round pick for the 49ers, and he's on his way to having a very good, productive NFL career. It's, it's really fun watching these guys grow up and what they become on the biggest stage of the NFL.
0: I'm with you 100 percent on that, and that's why I'm anxious to see uh, what Nate Stanley's going to be doing here. Because now there's uh, underlying talk in some NFL circles that they're going to take a good look at this guy, and he's only a sophomore, mm-hmm. but still, he—I mean, junior. the way that he is producing. Junior. Pardon, I'm a junior. I'm sorry, junior, uh, and the way he is producing, and. We had a quick discussion yesterday. We know Fant is going to be a, a hot topic for NFL, but Hawkinson has also now played his name into that conversation as well. So there's going to be some decisions by a couple of players on exactly what they want to do. Look, it's, there's a great story at every college campus. The Griffin kid who played at University of Central Florida only has one hand. Now is a starter in the NFL with Seattle. A trend it goes on and on and on about great stories about youngsters who overcome things and become tremendous at what they do.
1: Jim, another great story developing up in Ames. Let's jump off Monday Night Football for a moment. Oh, one more actually on Monday Night Football. So the Packers okay. keep their head above water. The Bears gave one away against Miami or almost took one away and then couldn't get it done. Regardless, you got the Packers and the Vikings. They're both 3-2-1, and the Bears at 3-2. But have you seen the schedule that the Packers still have in front of them here over the next month plus? Their next five games. yeah, It is ridiculous. They go to the Rams this week to take on the only undefeated team left in the NFL. To the Patriots for Sunday Night Football after that. They come home from Miami winnable game, but we've seen the Dolphins at least have a little bit of adrenaline running through them. And then two more road trips to Seattle and to Minnesota to face the Vikings. That stretch of foy, you get to 2-3, and you're doing dancing, but the problem is with the Vikings and the Bears still out there playing the schedule they have in front of them, 2-3 and might not be good enough to still be in this mix by the time we get to December.
0: You may be correct there, and Seattle's not going away anytime soon. They are an ever-improving team out west. Look, they, they have drawn, as they say, the short stick. <laughs> when, when, you're, when you're going off for battle and you get the long one and you know that you're leading the charge and the guy who gets the short one is in the back of the bus, that's exactly what has happened here. Uh, man, oh man, this is a difficult, difficult uh situation for green bay the bye week will help aaron Rodgers. he said last night that after the bye he'd like to start playing without the knee brace i don't know Trent. when i saw him take off last night on that one run that he made up the middle he was still moving pretty good
1: you think he still got a little bit in there that he's going to be all right make those moves uh, yeah he, he also was slow he's- getting up a- after that sack he- Late After in the game, that, that, sack, that was called yes. back. He, he was yeah. slow getting up there. Just got to keep him upright. You keep him upright, you got a chance. And and that's pretty simple for the Packers. Without Aaron Rodgers, they stink. With Aaron Rodgers, pretty good. And yes. they can become even better in that if Rodgers at, is at the top of his game. Well, you mentioned Seattle, and I want to go out to your home state of Washington next here before we wrap up. So yesterday on Twitter, Chris Felica You see him, he's the bear on college game day on ESPN. He's a guy that makes the picks. He's a degenerate like myself. He's a good man, Chris Felica. But he (laughs) listed the 11 Power 5 schools that have yet to get a broadcast for game day. They're going to Washington State for the first time this week. Start right there, Jimmy B. Your home state is a ways away, though, from where you grew up in Seattle. But what are we going to see with those crazies over there in Pullman? I'm telling you, it'll be nuts. They will probably draw the biggest
0: crowd. Well, I'm going to take that back because when game day begins, it's really early. And from my college days, I never got out of bed before 9 or 10. So from that aspect, I might have to rephrase. But they will have a monstrous crowd there for Washington State. Look. Washington State is in Little Pullman, Washington. It is down in the southeast corner of the state, right next to the Idaho border. Mm -hmm. Spokane is the biggest city, and that's a two-hour drive north, and they really haven't improved the two-lane highway that much. (laughs) Only a few places is it a four-laner. And, I mean, they're like in the middle of nowheresville, and they don't call it Palouse country for nothing. Trent. Nobody even knows, aside from the Pacific Northwest, if you say Washington State, nobody knows where the school is located. I think a lot of people know if you say University of Washington, oh, yeah, that's in Seattle. But no one, no one would probably, walking down the street and you say, hey, where's Washington State? Well, I don't know. It's in Washington. I This this will be the greatest thing that will have happened uh, to the Cougars in a long, long time. And I hope they do a segment with the Pirate. I, I, I hope I hope Leach is on there, and I hope that he is just funny as can be like he can be. And this will be a lot of fun to watch. It really will.
1: It's going to be good. So uh, Felica, he lists the squads that still haven't been there, and he had Iowa State on the top of the list for odds to get the next first-timer to host a show. Iowa State number 1, Minnesota, Maryland, Duke, Virginia, Wake Forest, Cal, Syracuse, Illinois, Kansas and Rutgers uh, at the bottom, the next to host. My question for you Jimmy B is, yes, when would they host? What is there is there a game next year they get Iowa at home in week 2? Check that, in fact, week 3 will be that uh week game. Week 3, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what the schedule looks like. Next year's home schedule, Kansas. Look, they're not coming to game day in Ames for Kansas. Or <laughs> no. Oklahoma State. Or TCU. Texas, maybe, if Texas is back. You also mm-hmm. have to look at the schedule, and it has to make sense there. And I just can't see game day come to Ames for, for the Cyhawk game, Jim.
0: I, I can't either. Uh, unless uh, Here's the only way I think that could happen. If they both win out and Iowa gets to the Big Ten championship game, and if Iowa State finds a way to play in the Big 12 championship game, and then after that, if they are both 2-0 and with a lot of the same players that are back, mm-hmm. they might consider it then because coming off that, they would be ranked, Trent, in the top 25 in preseason. And if and if they're successful in Game One and Game Two, both both schools in their first two games, they would both be two and zero. That might be a possibility at that time. But for me, that's the only way that I can see that taking place for the Seahawks game next year.
1: That's a lot of ifs. There there's a lot yes. that goes into that for to make that uh, yep. available. I just don't know how likely that's going to be for next season. It, it has to be you got to get both sides of it, and you look at Washington State. Jim, throughout the years, Washington State has been close to hosting this thing many different times, and it's never worked out for a number of different reasons, be it uh, there was a game that they lost right beforehand, a game that their opponent lost beforehand. A lot goes into it, but certainly fun to speculate and to think about possibility of game day someday coming to Iowa State. Those dreams are becoming closer to a reality at the very least, Jim. And we've seen that the last couple of weeks.
0: Oh, I agree with you, pal, 100%. And that'd be a lot of fun. That campus would go absolutely crazy uh, if game day did
1: show up. We are coming back on the other side as we finish up segment number one, Jimmy B and TC. Coming up next, we're going to talk some college football. Our old friend, Mitch Sherman from ESPN.com. He's going to drop by. An Omaha guy will get his perspective on the Corn Huskers and the 0 6 start from Nebraska. Woof. We will talk about that with Mitch Sherman. Also, later in the program, the Connor Casino. Here till 2, it's Jimmy B and TC.
0: 1700, the champ. With The Drive. Every weekday afternoon, Wolfgang and Trent Condon have you
2: covered for The Drive Home. Real sports talk for real sports fans. This year, it's our year. No, no, no. This year, it's my team. Yeah, this
1: is the year. This season, everyone is going to know where I'm tailgating. My team, my colors, my flag. Hello! It's why I fly the flag. This is the year you fly the colors of your favorite
0: team. And you'll find those colors at Heartland Flagpoles and Flags, the largest selection of team flags anywhere. Every team, every sport, every flag. Almost. Buy online and get free shipping. HeartlandFlags.com.
2: The holidays are a joyous time of year spent with family and festive celebrations, but it can be a difficult season for those who have recently lost a loved one. You can help. Amanda the Panda, a program of Every Step Grief and Loss Services, needs donations for its Cheer Box program, which delivers a box of gifts to families experiencing their first holiday season after the death of a loved one. Visit everystep.org slash griefandloss or call 515-223-HUGS for a list of needed items and to learn more. That's everystep.org slash griefandloss.
1: Everyone is a champion in their own way, but aches and pains can make you want to give up on your training or workouts. And welcome
0: back, everybody. We continue right here. 1700, the champ now saying hello to Mitch Sherman from ESPN as he joins us right now. Mitch, it's great to have you uh, on the show because there are some breaking stories that are taking place right now around college football. And we'll get into the locals in the Big Ten and the Big 12 in just a moment. But I found it interesting that at Ohio State, where Nick Bosa, the star defensive lineman, says he's going to drop out of school now and just try to get healed up and prepare for the upcoming NFL draft. Uh, look, he's his brother Joey was a top a, a number one round, or a first round selection. Uh, he's a terrific player when he's healthy. His brother is just the same. Uh, do you have him going like in the top 10 then in your uh, estimation? Is he that good and is this the right move for him?
2: That's what I understand. Um, you know, I don't have my own first round projections, but I'll rely on the people who do it at our company and other places. And my understanding is he's kind of a carbon copy of his brother. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and they're, they're their own players. They have their own strengths and weaknesses in comparison to each other. But the big thing with both of them is the motor that they have and the athleticism. And, of course, they play the same position, and they were they were kind of built the same way. So, yeah. I mean, I think he's definitely viewed as a first-round guy if he's healthy. And this is – This is a different way than what we've seen it in the past, where you've had some star players who have sat out the postseason. It's started to become a trend, as you know, in college football, to see guys uh, who are potential first-round picks uh, sit out their their, their final college game to avoid injury. In this case, Bosa had the injury early in his junior year, and he's going to take the rest of the season off to, to, to make sure that he's healthy and to make sure that he can cement himself as that first-round player. I think if he came back to Ohio State and 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 competed for a national championship, a Big Ten championship, you know, he's also jeopardizing potentially his own health and his own future uh, and his own, his own fortune. So uh, not surprised, not really surprised at all because of the nature of this injury, and it's one that. It probably is, is going to um, you know, only get better with time. That core muscle, it's not, it's not like, a, you know, like you, you're coming back from a broken wrist or something where when it heals, it heals. There's definitely a concern that he's going to re-injure that thing as it gets closer to the end of the season and closer to the draft for him. So to me, this is just kind of a continuation of a trend we've seen in college football. It's just happening earlier and happening really because he's already suffered this injury.
1: Mitch, uh, Ohio State as a whole, you look at this team, mm-hmm. didn't look great last week against Minnesota, of course got the victory against Penn State, but had some breaks along the way. What do you look at this squad? Are you, this is uh, not a lock, because there are no such thing as a lock in college football. Are you feeling good about their chances of being in the college football playoff? Concern going forward? Where do you sit with them right now?
2: Well, um, I think it's fortunate that they have Michigan at home this year. Uh, Michigan's been a different team away from Ann Arbor, and the Wolverines have been when they've been when, when they're at home. And again, last week against Wisconsin, they look like a great team at home. Uh, not so much when they ventured out of the big house. So if that trend continues, it's very fortuitous for Ohio State that they've got the Wolverines in uh, the in Columbus this year. So yeah, I mean. Just talent-wise, they're going to outclass everybody else on their schedule now that Penn State uh, is in the rearview mirror. But you're right, Trent have not looked great since that win over Penn State, and maybe it's just a little bit of a letdown factor. Mm-hmm. They know that they made it past that hurdle, and they're going to have to get revved up again uh, when Michigan State and and, uh, and and certainly Michigan come onto the schedule. But I'd like to see them. You know, if you're looking at them as a potential unbeaten team at the end of the year, I'd like to see them come out and take better care of business against Indiana and Minnesota. I think some things are getting covered up. Potentially some weaknesses are getting covered up with Ohio State because they've got a great player at the quarterback spot. I think we can say that now about Dwayne Haskins after the way that he performed, especially in the fourth quarter at Penn State in such a a, a really difficult environment to to do it for a first-year player. He's a great player. He's a legitimate Heisman Trophy contender. Um, If not for the year that tuatunga Tungavailoa was having in Alabama, I think Haskins would be the favorite right now, and he's certainly a guy that's probably going to be in in New York. So, um, yeah, I'm a little concerned with what I've seen from the Buckeyes lately, but I don't think they're in jeopardy, in serious jeopardy of, uh, of losing until that Michigan game comes, and then, as I said, it's in Columbus, so that looks good.
0: Uh, Mitch, let's stay then with the Big Ten for a moment, and let's go to the University of Iowa. The Hawkeyes look like they're rolling. Roadwinds at Minnesota and Indiana. Their blemish, of course, is the loss at home to Wisconsin, but this is a team now, it looks like it has the proverbial flip the switch uh, kind of slogan to it. Where are you right now in Iowa, and can they win the West in your estimation?
2: Absolutely. Iowa can win the West. I mean, of course, Wisconsin's got the tiebreaker, um, and now they've both got one conference loss, so it's, it's still Wisconsin in control of its destiny. But uh, since that game, those two teams have gone in opposite directions. Wisconsin, frankly, didn't look good in the win over Nebraska or great. There were, there were some things that you know Alex Hornibrook was, was off his game uh, at home against a, a, a defense with a lot of holes in it in the, in the Huskers and then looked horrible. Uh, at 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 michigan um you know they're not going to win just with jonathan taylor and the defense was torched by the wolverines too so again that's a good michigan team at, at home where it plays best so uh i'm not going to like panic about wisconsin i think you know the, the badgers still have the, in, the an inside track but both teams have penn state on the schedule you know we'll see how that works out maybe it's a wash there i was going to need wisconsin to trip up somewhere not sure exactly where that's going to be, but those teams have trended in different directions for sure since that that game in Iowa City a couple of weeks ago. And I know if you're if you're Iowa, you're sitting there thinking, you know, man, I wish we could have that back. Have that back. The end of that game, the way that things kind of collapsed in the in, in the in the last few minutes of that game, because Iowa has looked like the better team since that. And the way that Nate Stanley has come on, um, it, it's it's uh, you know it's it's really exciting for iowa and uh you know i was I was just talking to uh, uh my editors in in connecticut this morning about the iowa tight ends and hawkinson and Fant and or Fant and Hawkinson, however you want to uh <laughs> right. you want to list them uh, it's, it's as good of a duo as any t- any any tied in combination in the country in fact i think you're probably doing them a disservice if you don't just say they're the best tight end duo in the country so uh the defense is rock solid special teams look good uh with stanley playing the way that he is you know i i think uh you know, hey, just uh, let's see if they, what, what happens when uh, when they go to Penn State uh, after uh, after this week.
1: Mitch, uh, we'll let you go with this. Let's go closer for you to home there and over to Lincoln. Another loss uh, seems like each one maybe gets more devastating than the previous for different mm-hmm. reasons. Letting that lead slip away for the Cornhuskers against Northwestern. Owen six, the worst start in program history. How are the Natives? Uh, put us on alert. How things are going over across the river?
2: Yeah, I mean the, the natives would be a lot worse if this wasn't year one of the Scott Frost regime. I mean, I think everybody's resigned to the fact around the Nebraska program now that this is going to be a really bad year, as far as the record indicates, and now they're just going to focus on you know trying to build some things for the future. Um, there's been there's there's precedent it happened at Iowa with Kirk Ferentz for teams. Uh, really hitting rock bottom in year one under uh, after a coaching change and, uh, and being able to turn things around fairly quick. Right now with Nebraska, it's about having that mentality that you can win. Uh, this is a mentally um, fragile team. And they did everything, essentially, they needed to do, played well on the road at Northwestern for about 55 minutes of that game uh, last week against the Wildcats. And, um, and then the bottom fell out in the last, in the last five minutes. So um, they got to get over that hurdle. They've got to win a game, whether it's this week against Minnesota, whether it's next week against FCS-level Bethune-Cookman. Just winning a game, I think, will do some pretty good things for the mentality of this team, and they can start to move forward. They can start to build on some of the progress that they have apparently been making in practice. But, uh, you know, year one is going to go down. (laughs) It's a real disappointing one. I think it's safe to say for Scott Frost, um, and uh, perhaps that timeline when um, other programs around the Big Ten will start to uh, have to fear Nebraska, needs to be pushed back uh, a year or so.
1: Good stuff. Hey, Mitch, as always, appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Got some interviews this afternoon, and we'll look for your work over at ESPN.com. All right, good to talk to you guys. Mitch Sherman joining us here. Jimmy B and TC continues. Jim, Alabama's one. Mm -hmm. Who do you like second? Well, either
0: Ohio State or Clemson. And right now, I would have to favor Ohio State uh, with that comeback win that they had at Penn State. Uh, Just seeing the talent that was on the field, I don't think anybody can match up against Alabama talent-wise this year. But if there's a team right now that can play with Alabama and make it interesting, I do believe it's Ohio State. I thought Clemson was that team at the beginning of the year but now that they're playing the freshman quarterback and look by the time he gets done with the regular season he's really no longer a freshman but still I I would just have I would I would have more faith in Oklahoma, or in uh, Ohio State than Clemson uh, at least to give Alabama a good game.
1: You know Jim if I had a ballot I would be thinking long and hard about putting a team above undefeated Ohio State, Clemson, and Notre Dame that has a loss. Who do you think that team is?
0: Uh, Central Florida, undefeated.
1: No, no, a team with one loss. No, it's not UCF. Though I, I am, would, you uh, go, would you go LSU? That's it. A, a road loss to Florida, but you look at the victories that they have, and yes. some of the shine is certainly off the Miami and the Auburn win. I get that. What they did to Georgia, that collection of victories – I I hate when we just get married to losses. That's the only thing to look at. You look at Mm -hmm. body of work, you look at what LSU has done, I think it's better than those three teams. Certainly, they do have the loss, and of course that does have to factor in. I I don't have a firm, strong argument right now, but it, it would at least be part of the thought process for me right now is putting LSU at second.
0: Look, that's why we need an eight-team playoff, because of what you just said. Yes, it's what you just stated right there, because teams get better as the season goes on, and LSU is one of those teams, and you're absolutely right. They just took apart Georgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally just buried them offensively and defensively. So from that standpoint, I, I, I love what you said, and... Look, I I'd love to have eight teams because that way, when you do get a slip up like what you just referred to, LSU at Florida in the swamp, and which is a difficult place to play as it is anyway, and Florida is no slouch this year. So from that aspect, that's why I would like to see those teams added because then, then those teams are getting better down the stretch and going in hot. Now you're really going to get a, get a chance to have a true playoff. The number 9 team has has no uh, ha- has no gripe about getting in. They they can't gripe about it. Why not? 8 why, teams why, and, I, and that would be good. Be- because because, because we're talking no, we're talking 8 teams here. 8 teams. You with 8 teams, you can take then the four best after you take what you believe are the first four and then the four best after that Trent, by the time you get to eight, there will be plenty of separation between that eight team and that number nine team.
1: All right, so let's take a look at last year. You would have had USC in. You would have had Auburn in with three losses, a three-loss team. How would they get in? Well, they're ranked seventh. Well I'm not looking at,
0: at the ranking. Oh okay, is that the is that the rankings from the committee or is that like the AP the final AP top twenty five you're looking at?
1: There? That's the college football playoff rankings that uh the final one of the year after the oh, championship okay. games.
0: Okay. So you want so three they're, loss they're teams in in there, you're fine with that. Yes, but they got beat in the bowl game, so they would have only had well, two losses. Okay, but they got beat in the bowl game by an undefeated uh University of Central Florida team.
1: Right, but here's, okay. here's my part point, Jim. The reason that okay. college football is great is because every game matters. Because every game, yes. it is important. And a slip-up is okay. LSU, they went out, they're still in. They had their slip-up. You can afford a slip-up at some point and still make the college football playoff. But if we go to eight, you're going to have teams with three losses that are going to get in. You're going to get teams that... Haven't even won their division though. We've had that in its own right with the college we've football playoff had that before. Happen. Yeah, <laughs> eight, I think is it would be fun. We'd get more games. That's a great thing. I, I'm not diminishing that. Diminishing. Dimin- okay. But my concern would be, you talked about, well, it's a team that gets hot, and this team's really good at the end of the year. Well, you know what? That's what makes college football different. Is you do have to be great throughout the year. The USC of 2002, that was the best team in college football at the end of the year, but we got Ohio Mm -hmm. State-Miami playing for the title. USC plays either of those teams at the end. I think the Trojans beat them, but we didn't get that because they lost early on. There is importance of every single game. Now, with four teams, you can have a slip-up. You can have that bad game. You can be upset and still get in, but not two or three losses. That has always been my concern with eight teams.
0: I understand that, but I don't think that that would really be the case very often because now you would have top teams that say, and I'll give you an example. Before Georgia got throttled, a lot of people thought if Georgia would have gone undefeated and then played Alabama, whoever lost that championship game in the SEC would still get in, which means you would have had Alabama, Georgia, let's say it's Clemson, and Notre Dame, which means the Big 12 and the Pac-12, are history. They're gone. Well, Ohio the State's, State's Pen- not. Y- you didn't list oh, the Big 10 oh, well, I'm just Ken- going yeah. to say. Oh, 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 I know, yeah. Ohio State's out, too. So uh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. That that if that would to me it would level the playing field just one more rung and and really make it highly highly interesting if 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 indeed that that turns out to be the case. And we've already seen two SEC teams play for the title one time, and everybody thought, oh God, who wants to watch this again? and and nobody did it was one of the lowest rated uh,
1: championship games of all time we might be getting two from a conference this year and it might be the Big 10 if Michigan beats Ohio State in the final yeah. game of the year they'll go to the Big 10 title game with undefeated 9 and 0 in conference play and 11 and 1 and Ohio State sitting at home that weekend at 11 and 1 very well could be two from the Big Ten this year. But that is looking well ahead. That's what makes college football great. You never know. There's going to be the great unknown. We saw it last weekend, and it's going to happen again. With that, we're due for a break. We're coming back on the other side. A trip to the Con and Casino. Woo-hoo! NBA action starts up tonight. Brinson's fired up for it. We'll do that next year as we continue on. It's Jimmy B and TC on The Champ. Back with you one final time, Jimmy B and TC on 1700 The Champ. All right, Brinson, it's uh, your beloved NBA. The floor is yours, my man. Where uh, where are you as we go into the season? And then we'll get into a couple of NBA future wagers I want to throw your way.
0: Okay. Well, it all begins tonight, and there are two games, and they are good games. However, for Oklahoma City, uh, guard Russell Westbrook will not play. He's still kind of resting that knee. He had some uh, minor arthroscopic surgery on it, so uh, he's still not ready to go full speed yet. So he will not play. The first game is Philadelphia at Boston. The second game, Oklahoma City Thunder at the defending NBA champion, Golden State Warriors. Trent, this is an NBA season that will garner more interest just because you have new faces in new places. And also the fact that teams, not the Warriors, have really kind of changed personnel and have really, really improved their teams. One of those teams to keep an eye on is the New Orleans Pelicans. And the other team to really keep an eye on, and people will say, well, no, they always get beat in the Eastern Conference Finals by LeBron and Cleveland, is Toronto. You're going to have to keep an eye on that team, along with the Milwaukee Bucks as well in the East. Out West, it's still Golden State. LeBron James is going to upset the entire apple cart uh, in the West with the Los Angeles Lakers, and they will be a playoff team this year. I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the young players play. I want to see uh, Ayton with the Phoenix Suns. I want to see Bagley with Sacramento. I want to see Dokic, uh with the Dallas Mavericks. I just want to see how these young guys start to fit in In the NBA. And the storylines, Trent, are going to be tremendous. This has the makings of being one of the best seasons ever in the association.
1: Jim, short of injury, short of Mm -hmm. Curry going down, Durant going down, something like that with the Warriors, can you really make a coherent argument that Golden State isn't going to win this? And that's, I like to laugh, and we've laughed about this throughout the years. Wake me up when we get to June. I'm getting more and more into the NBA. I'm buying back in like I did as a youngster when I loved the NBA in the late 80s and into the 90s. I'm getting back into it at a deeper level. But, Jim, that's still the one problem that I can't get past is we know in the end, even with all these great storylines and the great games that we see, we know who the champion's going to be.
0: I think that that's uh, the only real bad part of this season And because I outlined so many positives, Trent, that is the major negative, is that everybody already is assuming that once we get to June, they're going to hand the trophy once again to the Golden State Warriors. And I did not reference that DeMarcus Cousins will be playing for the Warriors at the center position, uh, probably by the time we get late February into March, in that time, he'll be healthy to go. So... They are the dominant, overwhelming favorite. The difference this time around is, is that now you're going to have a healthy Gordon Hayward with the Boston Celtics. You're going to have a healthy Kyrie Irving with the Boston Celtics. We saw the young players really come on for Boston. And if there is a team that could, out of the East, that could really give The Warriors, a real six-game series. To me, right now, at least on paper, it's the Boston Celtics. With just by the matchups, Kyrie Irving has his way against the Warriors. We saw that when Cleveland beat them. And I just think that with Hayward healthy, that changes the whole dynamic of that team. But is Hayward really healthy? Yes, he is. Yeah, he, totally back.
1: He, well, I, I watched a little bit of him in the preseason. He doesn't look back to me.
0: Well, I, what I'm saying is, is that he'll be totally back by the time we get to the playoffs. Mm. He will play himself in the first few months back into NBA shape coming off that uh, horrific injury. So uh, by that time, yes, he will be totally back. But that is the team in the East. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to be fun, and they have a very good coach. And I just think that the East is going to be a lot better than it has been the past few years. At least it'll be more entertaining. But trend, as we all know, the West is still best.
1: Lakers, where yeah, Jim, we played around with their win total uh, when we were doing our prop bets last week, and we were having some fun with those numbers. Let me see if I can bring it back up, see where they are currently. Uh, We'll have division odds here. Well, there's still obviously a long shot in the Pacific with Golden State minus 2,000. You can get the Lakers (laughs) at 7-1 to win the division. Are you – does this team win 50 games? What do you expect? Short of wins. Leave that aside. You know, there's some people out there that think LeBron's going to use this, maybe even as a redshirt year. If things aren't going real well, maybe he's going to shut it down for a couple weeks knowing – That it's about the future of this organization. I don't believe that for a second. He played 82 games last year. His body continues to be in unbelievable shape. I can't see that happening. Even if they're struggling early on, I don't see him shutting it down for a couple of weeks. I think LeBron and the Lakers are going to be good. Really good. 50 win plus good. Maybe that's just me, though.
0: I Look, I'm with you on that. I'm not sure if they'll win 50, Trent, and here's why. I think they'll be in that 45 to 50 range and a playoff team. But I think what will happen is it'll take them a while, a month or two possibly, to kind of get used to each other in a regular season game. And also, it'll take a while for Luke Walton, the head coach, to start to get his substitution patterns down as well. And I just think that that I I can't see them exploding out of the gate and and you know being a top team immediately. There's just too many different cast of characters that are on that team. Doesn't mean they won't be good by say December, Mm -hmm. and then they really start to put things together and make you know some really nice runs uh, through the uh, course of the rest of the regular season. But I think that they're going to be bumpy for a while. Some nights they're going to look like world beaters and then other nights they're going to be totally out of sync. And it'll just because you have so many different combinations of players, they just haven't all figured it out yet.
1: Good stuff. Well, that will do it for our NBA conversation. The NBA begins tonight and we'll be having a lot of fun with that along with what we normally talk about the college and the NBA in basketball. We, of course, have college football wrapping up, the NFL, and a whole lot more as we continue on. Here in our new time slot from 1 until 2 o'clock, Jimmy B and TC coming up on your drive home. It's the drive with myself and Wolfgang. We'll be out at G Migs this afternoon, Jimmy B, having some uh, cocktails while we're broadcasting live. From 4 until 6 o'clock, it'll be myself and Wolfgang from 4 until 5, and then it is the Hawkeye Huddle, Dave Creighton Jr., and Brett Ridge, they'll be by for the 5 o'clock hour. Thanks everybody out there for listening in. We'll be back at it tomorrow again. And the drive gets you home from 4 to 6, all here on 1700 The Champ.